0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby Say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So,
1: yesterday, I, and when I say I'm proud, I don't mean in a negative sense, but I got to do the greatest cowboy move I have ever done. I mean, it's something that I've never done before. It's something that uh, does not come natural. It's something that many of you cowboys might have, y'all might have never done this. I don't even know if that's correct language, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. Um, th- there's another Texan back there. He can tell you what I meant. And um, But it, it was just, it was kind of a Kind of a a spiritual moment, but any spiritual moment comes at a at a price sometimes so uh you know me and Tyre out there feeding yesterday morning, and uh noticed that one of our one of the church's cows uh had something in her eye her eye was kind of running pretty bad, and she's kind of holding it closed, so you know we got to get that fixed or well, we don't have the pin set up, so unfortunately we had to get a rope and we had to rope roper, and that's just. You know, we try really not to do that unless we really, really, really have to. We're not sure if she really had something in her eyes. She might have been winking at me. I'm not sure. But uh, she was a pretty thing. She was a pretty thing. Her name is Doug. And um, <laughs> he's pretty, too. And uh, so anyway, so it, 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 I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus, but, you know, there's, there's no secrets here. And you don't want to work with me because I'll make a sermon out of it. And um, so it's Sean. Now, Sean was the artist that made my cuffs for me. Love it. Love him. He, and I love his horse. He rides a percher on cross, and his job is to head everything <laughs> because his horse can handle it. And so I, I wasn't sure exactly how the day was going to go because um, I get on my horse. We ride through the gate. There's this much snow in the pasture, and all summer long I've been kind of roping calves and yearlings. So when you get off after you ride a little while, you got to tighten up your saddle, especially if you're going to do some roping. So you've got this pull. That's for yearlings and calves. And then you have this pull. That's for 1,100-pound cows. So Fiona got this. She looked like a peanut. I nearly cut her in half. Poor girl. She got me back, though, I promise. And so she pinned her ears, which that's just normal. So I get on, and, and we go trotting out there, and uh, we try to hold the cows. That's where Chris took a picture of us. We were trying to hold them right there, and they kind of wanted to leave. So we let them go to the uh, kind of a corner down there, you know, where the four-foot drifts are because it's a lot easier to hold them in four-foot drifts. And uh, that comes into play in a second, too. And so we get going out there, and so Sean's job is to rope it because he's got the biggest horse. So anyway, Sean's left-handed, and um, poor guy. And so, I I may not even be able to swing, I may fall off the stage. So he's got his rope going like this. I think he's doing a backhand. And he ends up throwing it like over his shoulder. It It was a beautiful, beautiful shot. I mean, just the prettiest shot you ever saw in your life. It was so pretty that not only did the cow stick her head in there, she stuck both her front feet in the loop also. Now you heard a couple of chuckles because that's from some cowboys they know what I mean by that because Sean belly ropes her. Okay, so the loop is not around her neck and the only better shot than that is around the neck and around one foot or one leg because then they can't choke down. That's a good thing. But the rope is around her. Now when you belly rope something, all the advantage you thought you had switches. Now the cow has all the advantage no longer Are you telling her what to do with your rope and controlling her? She is controlling you. And you would be surprised that that cow was pulling Sean and his horse all over the place. Now, it didn't help that, you know, it's snowy and, you know, the horse is trying to get footing and that cow's pulling him all over the place. And so we knew, me and Ty both knew that that we were going to have to rope. And so anyway, I already had my rope down and, and so... Here, here she comes around, Sean's got her, and he's kind of going to bring her right, or she's going to bring him right in front of me, but I'm not going to rope him, I'm going to rope her. Got my old loop going. And I threw the prettiest loop you've ever seen. I mean, it floated out there just... Now, it didn't hit anywhere close to the cow, but it was just a pretty loop, and that's the main point, okay? It was so pretty that I was just going to leave it there and sell tickets so that y'all could come see it. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful loop. The fact that it got nowhere near the cow is irrelevant. So anyway, I decided that they probably needed my help, so I coiled my rope up. I know y'all are disappointed. I coiled my rope up, and that's where my problem started. Because when you throw your 60-foot rope 40 feet, and it's laying out there under this much snow when it hits the ground, and you coil it up, your rope has snow on it also. And when you wear cotton roping gloves, that aren't snowproof, your gloves get wet, and when you're from Texas and get cold when the temperature drops below 72, this is a problem. So anyway, I'm calling back up, and now Ty's gonna rope. You know what a mullen weed is? I never knew what mullin was till I got up here. Mullen is a big stick with a granola bar on the top of it, and when you got four foot snowdrifts and eight foot mullen weeds, and the cow is hiding in all of it. It makes throwing a big loop a little bit difficult. So I was feeling better about my pretty loop that didn't hit nowhere close when Ty roped four Mullins himself and his horse on his first throw. I was still coiling up by the time he got untangled from everything, so that's not a criticism, it's just what happened. So Ty ends up on his next throw. I mean, he nails her. And so they kind of got her crossways. Well, now it's my turn. Now, all I have to do is come in on my little pony and heal this cow that's standing up to her waist in snow. I'm not very good healer as it is, much less when her feet are buried. And so I threw once, I missed, I coiled back up, this finger went numb. I threw again, missed, Coiled back up, this finger went numb. I coil up, I throw once, I throw twice. I throw three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times. I am throwing all over the place, and, I, and it's not that I'm really doing anything wrong. It's just hard. I mean, you've got, you've got big mulling weed. You've got her pulling our biggest horse ever across the pasture, Ty on a colt trying to hold her. Now, he's doing a phenomenal job, and Ty's done a great job on him, but, you know, I mean, it, it's just kind of a wreck. And then I started to lose my joy. You know, you think, man, I'm going to get up in the morning and I am going to go out there and we're going to cowboy. We're going to rope something. Yeah. And you're feeling good. People are honking and stopping and taking pictures. You feel like a cowboy, right? Well, I didn't feel like a cowboy for very long. I started feeling guilty because here's, you know, Sean's getting drugged all over the place. He's lost his rope twice. I mean, the cow just literally pulled it completely off of his horse. As a matter of fact, she pulled on Sean's horse so hard he had two saddle blankets on. One of the saddle blankets fell off. I'm not joking. There's a saddle blanket laying out. Not anymore. He picked it up. But there was a, it was pulling his horse that hard, pulling him up and sideways, that it worked the saddle pad, one of the saddle pads out from under his horse. So I'm feeling guilty because I know these guys. I mean, this is hard on those horses. This is hard on the cow. And I'm, there's nothing I can do. I'm doing everything I can. Nobody can help me. I started feeling guilty. You know what? I hate to say this, but I started hating my life about right then. I really did. You know, there's just those little things that, you know, you, you, you try not to get frustrated, but boy, it just, uh, come on. And then you start thinking, am I going to miss again? And then, of course, if you're thinking you're going to miss, you're going to miss. You know, there was a fleeting second or two that I let my performance right then dictate who I thought I was. Because in the back of your mind, when you're doing this, when you're with really good hands like Sean and Ty, and and you're the one that's screwing up, you know, you're like, "Oh man, I ain't no cowboy. I'm just a pretender." You know, I mean, what am I doing out here? You know, I mean, all the and and that's not true, but those thoughts just go away. It's stuff that starts stealing your joy. I got to thinking if I wanted to be better, I must. You know, I need to work harder. I need, and and there's nothing wrong with practice makes perfect. But you know, there's just always that thing of you know, you're not good enough. You're not good enough, you're not good enough. I fell just as short of who and what I wanted to be at that moment, I fell just as short as my loops did. And that's when I pulled the greatest cowboy move that I've ever accomplished. It shocked Ty, it shocked Sean, and it worked. And we got the cow doctored in about three minutes with no more misses. And I'll
0: tell you what I did later on.
1: This is the third part of a series called The Reckoning. And The Reckoning, what what this has been is God is always trying to draw us to Him. All the time, He gives us opportunities to choose our way or His way. You know, all the time, He's like, are you going to do your way? Are you going to do my way? Now, a lot of times, we may say, oh, I want to do it God's way. But God's way is never the easy way. Why? Because, you know, it's easier to go talk about that person you don't like. It's easier to go talk about them to your friends or to somebody else than than to go up to that person and talk to them. But God says in Matthew 18, 15 through 19, that if your brother offends you, go to that brother and just talk to him. Now just because you're offended doesn't make you right. But it says, settle things one on one, man to man. So God's way is always, it's not our natural way. As a matter of fact, God says, my ways are not your ways and your ways are not my ways. My thinking is not your thinking and your thinking is not my thinking. So we have to make a conscious effort to do it God's way because that's not our natural way. We covered that two weeks ago in, are we going to do it God's way or our way? Then last week, we talked about how do you, what are the results of doing it your way? What, what, what happens? How do we know? We, we may say, I don't even know if I'm on the right trail or not. Well, if you're feeling weary and, you know, you're uh, feeling bad, feeling burdened, all of these things, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find peace for your souls. So if you're not feeling peace, it might be an indication that, that you've kind of gone off on your own tangent. It might be that you've taken your own trail. But if you're really going to do things God's way, would you still feel like that? What if you really are trying to do things God's way? Does that mean everything is going to be rosy? Does that mean that everything's going to just go just like you planned it? No, not really. You feel guilty? You know what? I, I know people that have been supposedly, and I'm not doubting their salvation because that's a personal thing. Nobody knows except you and God whether or not you're saved. People act a certain way, and I mean, I know people that act like they're saved that probably aren't, and I know people that people would swear that they're not saved, and they probably are. But how would you, I know people that have been reading their Bible and being a Christian for a long time, and they're some of the most miserable people that I know. Why is that? They feel guilty. They don't even like themselves. But boy, they'll, oh, praise God, praise God. And it's just empty stuff. You try real hard, but you don't seem to get anywhere. You hear about the promises of God, but you never see the results. Have you ever felt like maybe all those promises apply to everyone else except you? I mean, you hear preachers like me get up here and tell you about the goodness of God and God's love and God's mercy and this and that and this and that, and you're like, yeah, I want that, but you've never experienced it for yourself no matter how much Bible reading you do no matter that you, you know you quit eating Cheetos every day because that's a sin and you know I mean boy you're just trying to live a good good life you don't you don't, you know, cuss as much as you used to you, you 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 don't smoke as much as you used to I mean all these little things that you think that's what Christians do right but yet you still don't feel like it's working you feel like all those promises that the Bible talks about it just doesn't apply to you
0: Hey, pardon me for just a second. We're fixing to hit the backside of this pasture, so it's time to step off and cinch them up. While we're down here, I want to see if you can help us out. We really do need a hand in this ministry, and the fact that you're listening right now means that you're riding with us. All you have to do is text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977, and you can help us out in less time than it would take to pull your rope down. Again, text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. Thanks for the hand parts.
1: In Galatians chapter 4, Paul asks a bunch of Christians, the Galatians, that's, 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 my, that's my big revelation of the day. Um, that was funny, you just didn't get it. And um, so he's talking to the Galatians, okay? And he asks a very... Very, very simple question. Now, these Galatians, they had been, this was the Galatian church that he's writing to. These are Christians. Okay, he's not talking to a bunch of lost people. He's talking about professed believers in Jesus Christ. Okay? Says they had all been saved and for a long time they were on fire for God and happy. This this was the Galatian church. They had been saved for a long time, and boy, in the beginning, man, when Paul was there telling them the good news. They were on fire, man. They were like, what can I do for God, man? I love my life. Ba-da, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, you know, tying, a, doing ballet or something. You know what I mean? Th- these people were happy, right? But something had happened. Something had happened. they had all been saved for a long time, and they were on fire for God and happy. they had all bought a horse, and they could catch a dummy more often than not. I mean, these people were fired up. They was all going to cowboy church, and they loved God. And, man, everything was going good. And then something happened. They all started saying y'all and crick and, I mean, life was good. You know what I mean? It was great, but then something happened. Instead of a life of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, the Galatians, they were fighting. This is the church. Not the church that, that, that Kevin started. We're talking about the apostle Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and had a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ himself. This is the Galatian church, and instead of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, they were fighting, gossiping, whipping their horse for their own mistakes, blaming each other, making excuses, telling lies, looking at other people to make them happy. But the slightest hint of perceived criticism sent them off the deep end in fury and or depression. Things were going south. Why? Why this church that Paul started, why did everything go so wrong? He asked them one simple question. They were doing the things that God said to do, but they were doing them the wrong way, with the wrong motive. So can you do things God's way and not see the results of God's way? Yes, you can. You can do things God's way with the wrong motive, and it's called legalism. Legalism. Legalism is God's way the wrong way. It's doing what the Bible says, just doing it with the wrong motives. See, in the Galatian church, and this isn't necessarily biblical, I'm just kind of trying to picture what was going on because chances are maybe you've experienced some legalism. Maybe you've been around some people that are legalistic. See, in the Galatian church, they were were probably using terms like good Christian. You ever heard that term, a good Christian? What is a good Christian? there is no such thing as a good christian you either are a christian and believe in jesus christ as your lord and savior or you're not but see legalism will make you start comparing well i'm a good well he's not that good of a christian but he tries real hard you know uh you know legalism is prevalent when when people start talking about the hypocrites in church that that's a sure sign well i don't go to that church cuz it's full of hypocrites well Doesn't it take one to know one? Yeah, oh I'm not gonna go to, you know, I'm not gonna go to the gym and work out because there's a lot of out of shape people there. What in the world, you know? They were patting themselves on the back and criticizing other people. See, that's what legalism does. They apply the Bible to everyone else's life except theirs. Because, you know, they must have reached a certain level. You know, we reached level one hundred, so we're done. But see, legalism is sneaky. You've got to be real careful with legalism because chances are, while I was saying some of those things, you might have been thinking about somebody else that fits some of those instead of asking God if they fit you. See, legalism can sneak up on you. It's kind of like that chihuahua dog I got, man, who come up behind you and nip you. Now, he's playing. Legalism isn't. Paul asks a really simple question in Galatians chapter 4, verse 15. And it's the very reason he asked this, because it's the main thing that legalism does to yourself, what it does to a church, what it does to a community. Paul asks this question in Galatians chapter 4, verse 15. What happened to all your joy? That's it. Man, wasn't Paul so amazing? This church that he helped start, even baptized a few of the people, but I mean, there's just all this fighting going on and this nitpicking and this and that. And Paul gets right to the point. He says, what has happened to all your joy? Because if you are a Christian, but you're not experiencing a joy that surpasses all understanding, now there's always going to be hard times when we lose loved ones and stuff like that. But I'm talking about over a long period of time, if you're not feeling that peace and you're not feeling joyful, it might be because you have fallen into the trap of legalism. See, what legalism does is it makes you feel guilty rather than loved. See, legalism is taking the Bible and and, and applying it in a way where it's not the result of God's love, it's where we start doing things so that God will love us. And we can't ever earn that stuff from God. Not like that. We do things as a result of what He did for us. We don't get that because of what we do. We get it because of His love. Legalism makes you feel guilty rather than loved. It produces self-hatred instead of humility. Makes you look down on yourself. It steals your joy. It steals your happiness. It stresses performance over personal relationships. Do you know that actual authentic Christianity, the the only thing you you can judge that by is your relationship with Jesus, not how good you are. Christianity is not a moral religion. Okay? It's not about being good. There is no such thing as good Christians. Jesus didn't come to this earth so that bad, He didn't come to this earth to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. And that's what I want for you, but legalism does the exact opposite. You can be doing things God's way and doing them for the wrong reason and it just totally steals your joy. It blocks the promises of God. It tells us that we must be better in order to receive the promises of God. And you do not have to be better to receive all of God's love, all of God's mercy, all of God's kindness, all of God's grace, you can't earn it. You can't be good enough. But yet, in our, in our pea brains, we think, man, how many times have we bargained with God? Man, God, I'll, I'll read my Bible every day if you'll do this. We've all done it. We have all done it. Or, God, if you'll drag me out of this mess I'm in, I will go to church every single day. You're bargaining with God. He's like, you know what, if that's the case, I don't want nothing. I'm not going to have anything to do with it till your heart is right. He wants to love you. Now, I'm not saying that we have a license to go out and act however we want because that our actions don't mean anything. Of course our actions mean something, but we can't earn from God. That's legalism. Legalism makes you feel guilty rather than loved. Legalism produces self-hatred instead of humility. Legalism stresses performance over personal relationship. Legalism tells us that we must be better in order for God to love us and for those promises to come true in our lives. And legalism points out how short we fall instead of how far we've come. Think about that. You know, I, 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 know, I know this preacher. met him a couple of times. Super, super cool guy. Bull rider, little punchy fella. You know, the, the, the first time he had relations with a lady was on his married night. First time. Him and his wife both. Man, that's commendable. Did you know that alcohol has never, ever, ever touched his lips? He was raised in church and he never wanted to be anything but a preacher. Now, to be a bull rider and never drink and never horse around... This guy is a pillar, okay? I mean, this guy is a pillar of faith. And if there were a classification system, this dude's like a 96, okay? But he started out at 90, you know? I mean, he only moved six points in his entire life. But I know some of you, me included, we started out at a one and a half. Well, we've made it to 12. Now, we may not ever be as good as he is, but didn't we come further? See, that's what God looks at. God looks at how far we've come, not how far we got or how short we fall. The Bible says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. You will never reach 100. God doesn't care about that, but legalism does. Legalism will always try to compare you to somebody else. Sometimes that's good. Most of the time it's bad. And and what I mean by good is, you know, a lot of times, well, look, I'm a better Christian than they are. That's still not good, but, you know, sometimes we judge that way, and in other ways we're like, man, I'll never be. Y- y- y'all think that I don't get mad, that I don't might say a bad word every now and then. I get discouraged. I get down. Despite what I look like, I do not have thick skin. When people say hurtful things, it hurts me. And I guarantee you, sheep have the biggest bite in the world. Well-meaning Christians that criticize, oh, hurts. So what do we do about it? How can we get our joy back? You do something that you've never done before. You you have the chance today to do what I did yesterday and perform the greatest cowboy move I have ever done. Some of you didn't even know it was possible. Some of you, it might have never even dawned on you to perform this type of move. Now, some of you, maybe you've done it before so you'll know what I'm talking about. Once, coil up. Twice, coil up. Three times, coil up. Cow, running everywhere. Dragging horses, dragging cowboys. It's starting to get just a little bit dangerous, okay? Our main job, the reason we went out there to rope her was to care for her, but it's kinda getting to that point that we're not caring for her anymore. Maybe she wants the piece of grass in her eye about this point. So I did the greatest cowboy move I've ever done. I pulled my rope up and I rode over and I handed it to Ty. Now that may not seem like a lot to y'all, but that's not a real super big cowboy move. Now I didn't do it because I was mad. I didn't do it because I was mad. I was having trouble roping, number one, because I'm still learning a lot about roping. I can gather your cattle out of the mesquite, no problem. But, you know, roping, especially in snow, there was more snow out there yesterday roping than I've experienced in my entire life living in Texas. Cumulative. So roping in mullenweed and in a foot of snow is something new to me. There's a certain technique that you use. Ties from the Arctic Circle. You know, he's used to that. You know, they rope polar bears for fun up there and stuff like that, you know, and I'm just, so I knew that he had a skill set that I didn't. And he started to argue with me, but I couldn't feel my fingers anymore. Yes, I was a little bit discouraged, but I didn't give up. I didn't want Ty getting hurt on a client horse getting hurt. I didn't want Sean getting hurt. I didn't want to get hurt, and I definitely didn't want the cow hurt. So I went and I handed my rope to somebody that I knew could get the job done. I handed my rope to Ty and he started to protest and I said, Ty, I can't feel my fingers very well. And I said, I, you can get this, we need to get this done. And he said, okay. He took my rope. He gave me his rope, and I dallied off, and I held the cow so that Ty could rope it. it was, I did not quit. I didn't ride back. I still had a job to do, and I did my job relatively well. Thank you. I did it well enough. Ty didn't miss. He rode up there, threw a shot. It laid right where it was supposed to. I let her take a couple of steps forward, caught a hind foot, he pulled it up, backed up, dallied up, and then I threw the slack in front so she would step over, so it would make it easier to lay down. Within three minutes we had that cow laid down, given LA two hundred, and dug the stuff out of her eye. Actually we couldn't find anything. I, I figured it was all that chalicing around in the snow, rolling, that probably got it. It was it was called a snow flush is what it was. We're good cowboys. Many of you today, you need to do the same thing. You need to hand your rope off to the one man, and it's not tight. He's good, but he's not as good as this man. You need to hand your rope to Jesus because, see, he can do things that you can't. That doesn't mean you get to go to the recliner. It just means that when we truly understand that this Christian way of life that we're supposed to live, we can't do it. We'll throw a thousand loops. We'll throw a thousand tries, and we'll never catch. But when we depend upon Jesus, he catches every time. See, Christianity is not about following rules. It's about following Jesus. Religion depends on what we do. Christianity is about depending on what Jesus did. Legalism compares us to other people. Authentic Christianity compares us to who we used to be and who we are now based upon what Jesus did and what he does. Legalism counts the mistakes. Authentic Christianity counts on Jesus. See, you've been struggling. You've been trying to choose God's way. You've been reading your Bible, but nothing's working out. What happened to your joy? Legalism will steal your joy in a heartbeat. And the answer is so simple. It's not necessarily giving up and riding back to the house. It's about going over. Jesus is not going to come take your rope from you. You need to ride over there and say, will you do this for me? And he'll catch it on the first loop every single time. How do you do that? I mean, honestly, I I know what you're thinking. Okay, man, I kind of followed you through your little cowboy illustration, and and it was cool and and all of that. But I, I don't know how to hand my rope off. To Jesus. The way you do that is two R's. First, just relax. Okay? Just relax. Some of us, me included, we get wound up so tight that just any little thing just snaps us. We need to relax and depend on someone else instead of ourselves. Ty talked about depending on friends. There's no better friend than Jesus. That's what he said. We need to learn to depend on somebody that can get the job done where we fail. But those failures are not held against us. As a matter of fact, he wants to do it us in first Peter Peter tells us cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you hand your rope off relax there's nothing you can do about it so getting wound up and depressed and and all of this stuff it's not gonna work relax and depend on someone else instead of yourself and the second R relax is the first one remember that your performance is not the focus of Christianity Jesus is your performance is not the focus of Christianity, it's Jesus. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, I learned something yesterday about roping in the snow. We'll save that for a later sermon. But we need to hand our ropes off. Paul asked the Galatians a really, really, really simple question What happened to your joy? I could ask the same of y'all. You paint a smile on, but you're hurting inside. You try to act happy, but you're depressed. You don't like who you are but yet Jesus died for that person. Find your worth in Christ, not in your performance, not in how good of a Christian that you can be. When you find your joy, you will find God's true way, one that does not depend upon your performance, one that does not compare you to somebody else or doesn't compare others to yourself. Now, I made a quick, quick comment that I was really hoping that somebody would ask me before now what I meant. In the very first sermon, I said, God draws us to a crossroads. And we can choose our way or God's way. And our way looks beautiful. It's just this little rolling hills with sun shining and birds singing. And it just looks you know, great. That's our way. And God's way looks like a mountain that goes straight up. And there's a little sign that said, everything you've been searching for is on the other side of this mountain. And you see people climbing up that mountain Falling off, you see people dead, you see people arguing and fighting over here on God's way. And you're like, I don't want to go that way. That's legalism. When they're trying to climb the mountain themselves, because yes, the sign does say on the other side of this mountain is everything you've been looking for. But see, the trick is, is people are trying to get there on their own. They're trying to climb the mountain. They're trying to get there on their own. When really, everything that they're looking for, I want you to walk up to the that mountain. You can look up if you want to, or you can look at that stone that's been rolled away, that's been carved into that mountain, and you have a straight shot through it by depending on Jesus Christ. That stone was rolled away, not so that Jesus could come out, so that we could go in. And your rope, that's the whole deal. Quit depending on yourself. Quit trying to be a good Christian. Quit focusing on being a good Christian. And start focusing on Jesus Christ. Let's go to God and pray. God, I pray that everyone here today will hand their rope off to your son. Only in this will we be able to truly follow that narrow trail. Amen.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.